gosh, I just love watching you guys be the church. It's just hard. I got to get up here after those types of moments and just watching families take it and groups of friends and people be in community. And it's just, you know, if we do nothing else right, can we just say we do, we, we're doing this, right? We're remembering, we're giving God his place at the center. And that, that just makes, it makes my heart happy, all right? Because uh, lo and behold, I don't know everything. All right? And so there are just times that I doubt my own ability. There are times that I'm sure you doubt that you think you're doing the right stuff. And I'll just tell you, anytime you humbly come and you place yourself back under the foot of the cross and you allow that to be something you do in community, that other people know you, they know where you're at, they know you're, that you're not perfect, and you let that be a part of your journey, that is a healthy, healthy thing. And that's a healthy part of this church. And I appreciate you guys doing that, creating a community and a place where that can happen. So appreciate that. Well, today's going to be a little different. Uh, it's just, uh, this is just basically like me. Oh gosh, this is a good start. Dropping stuff already. This is going to be one of those sermons that uh, I, I told Kevin this morning. I was like, sometimes when you, you, you prepare a sermon and everything just comes together and all things just line up and it just feels so right and you're like, yes, I am ready. And other times it just doesn't. It's together. All right, we're going we're gonna to figure this out. I feel really good about it because there's a, there's a really good section of Scripture in here. And so that makes me feel a little better about it. But let's just be honest, and I'll just be honest with you. I'm excited to talk about it. I am hopeful that it is, is, is going to be as impactful as it has to me because I'm not because I have a lack of things to say. Some of you know me well enough to know that. It's not because I have a lack of things to say. It is focus, all right? So I'm going to do my best to be focused today and to try to give you what I'm learning, try to, to download what I have been uploaded into me and to do nothing more than that, all right, and add nothing to it. So this concept of reborn uh, or born again, uh, this, this is something that I feel like is a very churchy statement. Anybody ever heard this outside of the church like context, but he ever says outside of the church? So just starting out real quick, all right? It's okay that that's churchy. And if you didn't grow up in church and you're looking at that, you're like, that is some weird wordage, man. <laughs> that's some weird wordage. Like, like nobody says, like, I'm a born-again Cardinals fan. Like, nobody says that, right? Like, <laughs> like born again. Uh, there's some born-again Cubs fans, though, all right? Let's just be honest, all right? There are, all right? But there's also some true believers in there, all right? Shout out. Lauren Bryan, I love you. All right? The one, Car one, uh, one uh, Cubs fan in here, I got to make sure she gives homage to the there's always next year. That's right. And y'all didn't make the playoffs anyways together, so you could just <laughs> revel in that. All right, now here's the thing about this term. This is actually something that has a very specific context. And some of you may have grown up in church and heard this. You may never heard it, but you're going to hear the context of where this terminology comes from. I want to give a moment to just say, hey, throw out whatever you heard before. All right, not saying it was bad. All right, not saying it was not right. Uh, not saying it's not even good. All right, I just want you to, to, to start with a clean slate. All right, so let's just start with a clean slate. All right, forget all the songs that have it in it. All right, forget all the things that you're kind of tempted, all right, to put your own idea on it. Because we're going to jump into John chapter 3, and I want you to see where this terminology comes from and where this has kind of been captured. And be, I think it'll be a fun thing for you to kind of discover this. So in John chapter 3, the book of John, uh, the, really a letter of John, is, is the capsule, it's, it's kind of the story of Jesus. But it's done in a real intentional way by John. Uh, John has this mission, and he lets us know finally in, verse, or in chapter 20 what it is. It's, he's putting all this stuff together so that those of us would read and see, and they would have faith because of what he's written. 
So in verse 20, it's, or chapter 20, it's very clear why he writes this letter. All right, so just be, just so we're on the same terms. And he's writing this letter with an idea of proving that Jesus is a deity and that he wasn't just a man, but he was a whole letter. And he just has divides this thing up. And I mean, it's just powerful. If you want to see in great detail what that looks like, you can go to the Bible Project on YouTube, the Bible Project. And it actually divides this book up into two separate videos that are like seven minutes long. It is amazing how cool it is to see this full picture. But we're in chapter three, and I got to let you know that because these are three or four kind of accounts. In chapter two, three, four, and five, there are four different accounts that he kind of pulls us into to describe who Jesus is. He to describe who Jesus is and to pull us in to, to take a moment, pause, and kind of snapshot him in a story. All right, and so chapter three is a specific event, a specific story that John records for us so we can know who Jesus is. And he's in stark contrast to the other character that is in this story. So now that you know that, we're going to pick this up, verse one, and we're gonna, I'm going to try to read this to you as best I can. We're going to get through this together. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus. Everybody say, Nicodemus. We're going to call him Nico. All right, just kidding. Just so you remember him, all right? Nicodemus. All right, Nico. All right? Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now, now that in some other translations, you might have the word Sanhedrin, all right? Really important high court of the Jewish kind of government at that point, underneath the Roman rule, but still very much so in power. He came to Jesus, whoa, 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 at night. Ooh, snaps. All right. How many of y'all prayed this special prayer in the middle of the night in the middle of your bedroom by yourself? You know what I'm talking about? All right, just saying, just saying. It happened back then, still real, all right? He wasn't even gone yet. He's still here, and that's coming at night. He came to Jesus inside and said, Jesus, uh, he said, a rabbi, ooh, rabbi, which is a really fancy word in Jewish to mean teacher, all right? Teacher. Now, this is important to recognize. He does not call Jesus Lord. It's really important. He calls him rabbi, which is a human term for teacher. We know that you are a teacher. See, repetitive. We know that you are a teacher that has come from God. For, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if you are not with him. All right? Clearly making the connection. All right? If all good things come from God, you're doing good things, you must be from God. Uh, keep, keep, keep going. Uh, next verse. And it, this is what he says. Jesus replied, uh, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Born again. There's, there's, our, there's our phrase right there, right? Unless they are born again. Now, here's, here's the thing. The Pharisees had one major glaring issue with Jesus and with their whole interpretation of what he, they thought he was going to be. And it is what every three-year-old and four-year-old struggles with when they are learning how things can be symbolism. And they don't have to be present to be talked about, all right? Uh, it's kind of the idea of, like, we're going to have some fun at the park, and then they're like, cool, so what does that mean I get? Because they're thinking, fun means a treat. Fun means a toy, Fun means something physical that I will receive, and I will hold, and it will be mine. And you're like, no, it's called a slide, and it's just kind of movement. <laughs> you don't get to take it home, right? Like it's, it's different. It's still very real, but it's different. And they thought, 
They thought that everything that Jesus was going to be about was going to be a physical overthrowing of the kingdom, uh, for the kingdom of God, just a physical domination of the world, that Israel would rise and that Rome would fall and that everything would be huge and big and, he would, and at the center of it would be this person. And so when Jesus says stuff like this, this just blows their mind. They're like, you're going to be born again. Because watch what Nicodemus says. Because in my mind, this makes no sense. He says, you see what he's trying to do there? He's literally like, wait a second. I don't physically see how this is possible. And even goes back to saying this. Nicodemus asks, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. All right, put this in context for a second. He is talking to Jesus. Does that not sound a little sarcastic? Can you imagine looking to the creator of the, of the earth, one that loves so big, one that stepped down to be there, to throw off glory, to be present in the dust and the dirt and standing next to Nico, all right? And he's literally going, you need to be born again to come into the kingdom. And he's going, dude, surely we ain't going back in and coming back out, Right? I mean, that's almost like a crass idea that he's throwing back out to Jesus. And it, I think it's worth settling into and realizing this is from what Jesus was coming to offer. This is how far removed they were from understanding. So Jesus has to reply to this. I want to just say, yeah, like that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, exactly right. That's actually what we're going to do. So we're going to just start figuring that out that wouldn't work. So this is what Jesus answered. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water. All right, that's just a gentle way of saying real birth and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but there is a new way to be reborn. He's starting to let him in on a little bit of something that's going on. And it's a revolution of the unseen. It's something that's going on inside, not outside. It's something that's happening differently than it happened the first time. But it's powerful. So you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You should have had this figured out already. You're a Pharisee. You're a teacher of the law. You're on the Sanhedrin. Shouldn't you have this figured out by now? Isn't that crazy? Then he just keeps going. He says this, The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, pause. The same Greek word which you would know this if, if you've studied just a little bit of Greek, all right? For wind and spirit, it's the same Greek word. So the NIV does the translation here that makes it a little confusing. He's basically saying this, the spirit blows wherever it pleases, but sometimes you hear it. But you cannot tell where it's coming from and where it's going. So it is with everyone that is born of the spirit. He is taking that word and he's putting it in the physical side of the word and he's putting it in the unseen side of the word. 
in that sentence. Just laying it out for him to see. Pretty cool. Now let's pause here for a second. I want to ask you a question. For those of you who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, and those of you that have been in the church, um, do you feel like you identify with Nicodemus at all? This is a telling question. It's a telling question. Because I would actually range to say that if you've been in the church for a long period of time, there's actually a large temptation to fall under the same struggles that Nicodemus did. And I'm just going to point it out to you by asking you a question on side of another question. Kind of a question versus a question. Do you need more information or do you need a change of heart? Do you need more information or do you need a change of heart? Or a heart change? (laughs) Do you see the dichotomy that's in what we just read in this? Nicodemus comes with a need for an answer. Right? Hey, I heard you're a good teacher, and uh, I'd like to know, um, are you? (laughs) That's it, right? And uh, he's like, and I'd really like to know uh, how you're doing this, and what's the plan? And uh, it's not looking like I expected it. Uh, And we know this because he comes when? At night. He is trying to figure out the answers so that when that discussion comes up later, he has them. You ever felt like you go to church for answers? More information? Felt like that's all what Christianity is all about? More information. If I just knew more, if I just got it, if I just understood it, if it just clicked, if I just got an answer for once in my life, if I could just, boom, if it would just, boom, make sense. You ever felt like that? If you've been in the church for 10 minutes... You've been like that. I promise. You have. You have. And the frustrating thing is, you know what he tells him? You got to be born again. And he's like, I'm sorry. I was looking for information. (laughs) Right? I I was looking for an answer. Like, I I was looking for more uh, than just, like, born again. What does that mean? Right? Like, you, you almost hear him screaming it. He's like, I'm going to give you two, uh, two reasons why that doesn't make sense. I have the information to, to prove your question stupid. Are you ready? I'm old, and that won't work. <laughs> right? And then Jesus comes back to it. He comes back to it. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It's, it's something that's not seen. It's not something that you're looking for the right answers. It's something inside of you. It's something deeper that's going on inside your life. Now, some of you are like, okay, so what are you talking about? Are you saying like coming to church and learning things is stupid? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying all the information in the world without the right heart leads to terrible things. You take anything of this world that is God-created, and you can do awful things with it, or great things. Sin is just something good twisted. Information used wrongly. Leverage and power used poorly. 
Opportunity missed. Opportunity used for selfish gain. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's laying it out and going, no, before you get more, you need something to change. Before you learn anything, you need to know this is at the root of all the struggles, all the problems. You need something done that's deeper. It's different. It's bigger. I love Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 20, or 25 through 27. This is like one of those verses, you guys, that it is so ingrained in my like daily life. I just think about it constantly. This is a promise that Ezekiel is giving to uh, Israel. And Ezekiel's a prophet, and he's prophesying to the people, and he's calling them back to repentance. He's calling them. The scenario is so similar to what Jesus is talking to with this Pharisee. They are so far from what is right, and they're trying, but they're failing. And he's trying to call them back. And so Ezekiel is God's mouthpiece. speaks just imagery that I, I think would just be something that John was very aware of. Very aware of. And so it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. And look at it, here's this. And I will give you a new heart. I will give you the answers to every question. I'll give you all the way. No, 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 no. I'll give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit in you. And this spirit. I'll remove this heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put the spirit in you that will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will only know how to properly use the information when the heart is changed. You will only understand and interpret things correctly when you have the heart that is mine. When you have the spirit that is mine. That stirs me, you guys. That's, that moves me. You know why that moves me? Because I'm tempted because I've preached for so long or I've read or I've looked at, or I've experienced, or I know, or I have done wrong, or I have done right, and I, I am just tempted all the time to think that the quality on how much information I have. And it is so discouraging that that's just not the answer sometimes, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't it be nice if all we had to do was just read all the books? Wouldn't that just be so much easier, like I just download it? Like, I just put you over here, and I'm like, just read these, and by the end, the Spirit's in you. All right? And in some ways, you're like, yeah, I mean, that's, we got the Bible, right? That's how it's supposed to work. And in some ways, I'm like, yes, but let's just be honest. The Spirit came before the Bible, so the, the Spirit can work without it. You know, we don't have to talk about that, but the Spirit is available. This heart is available with very little information. And you know what we use as excuses and what I use as excuses? I don't have the answers. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't have enough. And so what ends up happening? We try to get more information to change our heart. 
We try to think the answers are going to be it's going to be at the, at the center of what's really changing our heart. And you guys, if it was an information problem, Jesus could have just sent a paper, right? He could have just like thrown a book down from heaven and said, that's it. But that's not what he did. And though information is good, that wouldn't be enough. And Nicodemus needed to see that. He just thought he needed more scripture when he was staring at Jesus. You get it? He's going, right here, buddy. I have the spirit of God in me right here. The wind blows. I am right here, dude. Right here. I'm not some far-off answer, some far-off language, some far-off distant thing that you haven't learned. I am present right now in the midst of your doubts, in the midst of your ignorance. I am present. I just, right? Blew my mind. There's more to this story. Jesus finishes it. But Nicodemus asked this question, and I just love this. So he says this spirit stuff, right? I'm right here. And then Nicodemus says this. How can this be? That's what he says. How can this be? I'll read it from here if I need to. How can this be? Teacher. See? Teacher. Verse 9. And Jesus said, and do you not understand these things? I mean, this is where he's really just starting to lay them out, Right? He's just going to lay them out because Jesus is going, okay, so you want to talk about information. Let's just talk about information for a second, all right? Here we go. So Jesus said, and do you not understand these? The very, uh, very truly I tell you, we speak about what we know. We testify what we have seen, but still people do not accept our testimony. All the information in the world, it doesn't seem to be working. All the information in the world doesn't seem to be working. I have spoken to you of earthly things that you do not believe in. And, that, and how then will you believe in heavenly things if I speak of them? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. Booyah, I'm the only one who's standing in front of you that's been to heaven. And then he uses this illustration that for us would be totally confusing. That's why you have to read the Bible in context, right? Because he uses an illustration that Nico would have known, all right? That Nicodemus would have had at the center of his He would have known this, the story from the Exodus, his people being established in Israel, knowing they went through the desert and there was trials and tribulations and times of desperation, times they had to cry out to God and he showed up. And so what does he use? He uses one of those times. He said, no one's been to heaven. No one knows the things I'm talking about except me. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. The illustration that he's using is this time that Israel had turned They were wandering and they were trying to get to the promised land, but they had turned, they'd made horrible mistakes. And so 
a plague of snakes had come and just totally started biting everyone. It's literally that simple. And so there was no hope. And literally Moses had one chance to do what God had called him to do. And God performed a miracle and healed him. And in that moment, this is how God works. He uses the ignorant information that we have the truth, but the ignorant information, the full picture, and he uses it to reveal what's really going on. He's like, you remember what Moses did? You remember how he protected his people through God and that God provided a way? I am here. Now, this is where I think it gets really nitty-gritty about you and I and Nicodemus because this is where I want to separate myself from Nicodemus. This is where I want to pretend that I would get it, right? Because the story doesn't end with Nicodemus going, sweet, awesome, thank you, Lord, I am so, yes, I get it. The, The story just ends. It just ends. And, and, and I'm like, oh, come on, John. And it's even worse because here's the thing. In chapter 7, we see Nicodemus again. And then in chapter 16, we see him again. And in chapter 7, he kind of stands up for Jesus. You know, they're kind of talking about arresting him. They're kind of talking about maybe they need to do it. And, and Nicodemus stands up and he says, uh, hey, uh, you know, like, don't we normally like trial people before we kill them? Like, don't we normally like bring them in and like make sure they're guilty? And literally, he gets made fun of and put down. They're like, dude, you know he's from Galilee, right? Nothing good comes from Galilee. And then Nicodemus, nothing else. And then in chapter 16, Josephus, Joseph of Aramaeus, I'm sorry, Joseph of Aramaeus comes and actually gets permission from Pilate to take down the body of Jesus off the cross which was mind-boggling. This never happens. The fact that Pilate gave permission was crazy. But he's there and he's given large sums of money were changed hands. There's no way this wasn't something that these guys gave so much. And guess who else is there? Nicodemus. He was on the Sanhedrin that condemned Jesus to death. But he's there, pulling the body of Jesus off and placing it in a tomb. And we don't know anything else. (sighs) That's gut-wrenching to me. That he would grow up in a religious home. That he would hold a position in what would be considered the church and a position of power and influence and that he would even have the heart to seek the answers but not the heart to surrender to a Lord and to a Savior. That he would believe that there was a better way to live and that there was a way God is calling us to but he would never put himself under or in the category of needing questions for you from this. I think these are good. These are helpful. Can I save myself, or do I need a savior? Nicodemus' story screams 
that he is trying in God's eyes to save himself. He is doing everything he can to live according to what God has told him to do, but he never is willing to take that final needed step, that step that makes all the difference to go from all the information to having a good idea of what full life could look like to actually letting and allowing Jesus to do the work that he needs to do. I hate that I feel like Nicodemus most days. I hate that I wake up and I feel like all of the things that I have learned matter nothing if I don't have Jesus at the center of my life. I hate that. I, I wish that it was just go get a college degree, get a church, stand on this stage, and have all the answers. I wish that's all it took. I wish that's what I could tell you. Just, just go read this. Just go learn this, and it's good. But it's not. It's not. Because the truth is, your current heart, your current knowledge, is not what God longs to place inside of you. And is not what God desires most for you. He desires His heart. And He longs to take you to His purposes. And He's the only one who saves. You know when this really drove home to me? I got lost this week. Anybody been lost lately? Okay, see, you know why that is? We have these awesome things called cell phones. And no matter where you are, all you have to do is go, beep, boop, beep, boop, tell me where I am. Right? And then you're good. The problem is, Lawrence County doesn't like cell phones all the time. So I'm not going far, you guys. I'm like between here and Ash Grove. Do you know how much room is between here and Ash Grove? There's like 45,000 county roads out there. And I was talking to someone this morning, and they're dang right. Lawrence County roads, they don't go like this and like this, right? What do they do? That! That! I had a deadline a deadline to someone that is a responsible, incredible, retired military widower. I am trying to show him that I am a capable adult that is capable of being on time and following simple directions. I have never been madder in my life. I see how people break windows. An hour and a half! I don't even want to tell you that! I drove from Joplin to get here, and then I just get in my car and leave, and I can't get a hold of anybody! No one has their phone on them! MapQuest, you remember that? I was begging for printed directions! Please! Anything! Smoke signals! Something! And every road I hit, every farm I passed, 
Every piece of information I gathered just didn't seem to make all the difference. In fact, it didn't seem to make any difference. No matter how hard I tried, and how frustrated I got that I realized I was lost, I know how angry I was that I'd been here the whole time. I live here. I, 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 this is not a far off place. This is M Highway. <sighs> that I could be lost even at home. That, that right where I'm living, right where I'm at, that I could be so far that no one could hear me. That no one would know I'm there. And no matter how hard I tried, nothing changed. You guys, the gospel is too simple to believe that it's true. It's too wonderful to believe that it's true. That God didn't even make the phone call that he would get in his car. And he would drive where I'm at. And then he would let me lead. What? Then he would let me drive around some more. And he's like, cool, you want to take a ride? Okay, here we go. And then he's just waiting. He's just waiting to go, hey, would you like me to change your destination? Because where you're going is not where you want to go. Uh, hey, would you like some different directions? That's cool. You got to listen to my different full, even better than what you had planned. That's great. Look into my eyes. <laughs> Trust me. Let all the things that you've gathered fall by the wayside underneath my filter, my, my spirit, my heart. Let the gospel take control of your life. Let it be so grand, so brilliant, so beautiful that it could not be that God has offered you a new heart and a fresh start and it only comes from Jesus. Let it be so amazing that it's not about gathering all the right answers but it's about trusting the one that does. Let it be so amazing that there is no test to get in but it's a relationship restored that brings us in. That it's a heart that cries to us lost, even in the pews or the rows or the buildings or the cars or the places of work or the homes that we sit in. He still, he still, he still reaches out for the Nicodemuses. That we would be so lost that we're hidden in plain sight. My hope and prayer is that you'll hear the words of John 3.16 in its context today. Because John finishes the story of Nicodemus with one of the most famous passages of Scripture. He just wants to make sure you didn't miss what Jesus was saying. And he puts it in context. And it has risen to be one of the most popular verses because it's amazing. <laughs> And it was for a religious person. <laughs> it was for someone who had all the answers and knew what to do. And it was for the whole world. John 3.16 is found right after Nicodemus' conversation is over. And it says, For God so loved the world that he would even love the Nicodemuses and you and me. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him would have life. Eternal life. 
And John 3.17 is just amazing. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. We learned that in starting point this morning. It is not about condemnation. It's about restoration. But to save the world through him. And I know you can feel lost. And I know you can feel like you don't have the answers. And it can even happen when you spent your whole life in church. Jesus saves. And he has a new heart for you. And we can do this as a church, as a community. That we can continue to place Jesus where he needs to be. And then we live and operate out of that love. Out of knowing that we are secure. Not in our knowledge but on who we are trusting in. We're not saving ourselves. And it's not our choices that have brought this wisdom. But it's the Spirit of God that has come through the bridge of Jesus, giving access to and opening us up to full life.